This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your indie darling host, Javi. <laughs> and yeah, sorry guys. We weren't able to do an episode of this show last week. Um, and, you know, I, I know it's been hard for us to kind of get in here and record this. But, you know, for the next, the exciting part about this is this week of the show, we're back. And for the next five weeks, Javi and I basically decided that we wanted to do we're officially calling i guess uh our oakland film festival and i think it did it bore out of an idea that you know we love watching cities that we know and i think it came out of like the conversation we had in black panther right about how like interesting cool and and it is to see like places that you know and um and and like you know stuff that is so relatable to you on film and uh which is why we decided to do this uh you know it, when it comes to you know we we live in the San Francisco Bay Area San Francisco has a long extensive history of like you know films that take place there right and it's always like these big like hollywood productions and it's like grand you know it's like a new york movie like it's like a new york movie right like San i mean Francisco it's is just one of those great american cities big american cities even though it's really not that big but um i mean it's the I, city by the bay it's the one that yeah. people make songs about it's the it's the city that people will always remember and how picturesque it is you got the golden gate bridge and the Bay Bridge kind of like on the horizon be giving you those iconic shots. Right. You got the uh you got Fisherman's Wharf, Coit Tower, like just a lot of um or what's it called? Uh Union Square, like all those all those uh big like picturesque places that come to mind when you're talking about the city. Um but you know, people forget that you know, on the other side of the bay, there's a very industrious, rough and tumble town that has been around just as long, um, and has been, you know, maybe not featured as much, but can still be just as beautiful with just as beautiful of a community as what we love out in San Francisco as well. Well, not to mention, despite the fact that I do have affection for San Francisco because it is, you know, I I was born there, I lived the first couple years of my life there um but you know most of my entire life and anything that i can remember like i lived on the other side of the bridge so Mm -hmm. specifically seeing the east bay on on film is something that's really interesting to me and uh yeah when we did you know when it was recommended to us it really came thanks to the listeners because it was our listeners who recommended for us to watch uh, black panther wakanda forever and I think just talking about like Ryan Coogler, we got so interested in going back and watching Ryan Coogler's like other works. So this week, we haven't even mentioned what we're doing this week, but this week we're reviewing the 2013, basically his first film, uh, Fruitvale Station. And 
I'm going to be totally honest with you. I think this is going to be a pretty different episode than what we normally do because there's not going to be as many opportunities for caca pee pee poo poo jokes, which I'm kind of <laughs> sad about. Yeah. Like, this is a film that I watched in the fall of 2013 when it had already like started getting a wider release and there was like critical buzz saying that it possibly could have you know that it that it could receive some oscar consideration uh sadly i don't know that it actually did i, I do think that the movie had very good uh critical reception and i think to now like rotten tomatoes it's like 94 95 um it's the movie that created you know the career of ryan coogler and um, he, even though he would launch into, I think, you know, being one of the greater, one of the best directors we have now with this next film, it's really interesting to watch this because two people in this movie will become frequent collaborators of Ryan Coogler and people that you'll see in every other movie that he makes <laughs> going forward. Um and but part of the reason why it's it's a movie so it's a movie that and I guess I'll get into it now but it's a movie that I did saw when it first came out it's a movie that I have not seen since I saw it in theaters at one time and the reason for that specifically I think this is where you know it's it's getting a little serious but specifically the reason why we didn't why I haven't seen it at least since I first saw it in theaters it's it's a very hard film for me to watch. Oh, absolutely. Um, this is not a jaunty, let me pop it in in the afternoon, I got some time to kill a movie. Like, you actually had to go out and seek this one out. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like, as kind of, you know, when we talked about Black Panther, how we sort of, in a roundabout way, know people that know Ryan Coogler. <laughs> also, in a very roundabout way, um, we know people that know Oscar Grant, who is the real life person that this movie is based around, mm-hmm. uh, that the movie is based around, you know, his killing. So um, it, it, it is another one of those things where it's like, yes, we appreciate the director because he is someone who is, you know, very relatable to us and um, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, specifically, I think because we do you know, we do know people that knew the guy. <laughs> I, mm. I think it's it adds another layer of, oh my goodness, like, yeah, it's crazy. And also and, living uh, in the area, being a part of, you know, almost <laughs> understanding and kind of understanding and almost being a part of that story, like, under, like, the you know growing up here knowing the oscar grant story knowing how it's kind of shaped a lot of culture and a lot of the community especially in the last like you know seven to ten years um my math's probably off but you know just kind of knowing like the impact that's had and kind of living through it and seeing it firsthand has also been like it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't like this this is the movie that's like too real and i think there's some films that are probably like that for a lot of people where like i remember uh way back when uh i had a history teacher in high school talking about how when he went to go watch saving private ryan on opening day 
that there was like this huge event, a media event where they invited uh like World War II veterans to watch the movie and how you know those guys were like bawling their eyes out in the first like 20 minutes. Um like there's just some films that for certain groups of people are just too real. Um, and I guess kind of going into my experience really quick, like this was one of those movies that for me was just like too real. And I was just like, you know what? I'm if I don't have to watch Room Hill Station, I'm sure it's a great film. I just don't know if I, you know, if I can watch it and I put it off for as long as I can or I could until finally we decided to do the movie for the podcast. Oh, my God. So this is your first time watching this. This is my first time watching it. Never oh, seen it wow. before. I was just oh, like, yeah. you know, you know, living through that time period and kind of seeing everything that happened. I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm cool. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, I also see kind of how myopic my my view was being like, oh, you know, oh, I, I you know, seeing the, the ramifications of everything. It's like, no, it's kind of important because it goes back to the whole thing we've been preaching about the importance of storytelling and the importance of like especially marginalized communities being owners of their own stories and getting those stories out there and part of it is being uncomfortable and pushing yourself as a viewer to watch things that you normally wouldn't things that make you feel uncomfortable at the time now granted that being said if you're someone that is like very easily affected by traumatic experiences like of course, take care of yourself. Don't push it if you don't need to. But like, yes, I- I'm gonna know. put a trigger warning on you know in the description of this episode, um, and also when I post it on Instagram because it's uh, you know I don't know who it's gonna affect, you know, but I-, I can imagine that there are people in our audience that might have some kind of a connection with it, and it might be difficult for them as it as I think it was. And has been for us to to go back to it as well. Well, mm-hmm. for me to go back to it and for you watching it for the first time. And mm-hmm. we can kind of get into it as we get into the movie uh, part of those things. I do think it's really important to talk about, you know, kind of the real life aspects of this as well before we get into the movie. Um, this movie, you know, revolves around it, it, the last day in the life of Oscar Grant the third. You know, he's a 22-year-old he was a 22 year old man um from hayward california which is it's a little bit further i don't know how to say i don't think i think it's south right a little bit first it's like a little south yeah. of oakland it's like a little um, further southeast on the bart line yeah. so like you pass you pass the airport you pass the oakland airport the coliseum and um you have a you know a collection of different cities that are that are southeast of, of oakland uh, San Leandro, Hayward, Union City, and uh, yeah, so he, so he doesn't actually live in Hayward, uh, but you know, again, famously the the station that he is shot at is is an Oakland station. Um, so this the killing of Oscar Grant. The first time I saw anything on this story was in the local news, literally the weekend, the week, the Monday uh, after. Uh, new year's eve um or new year's day uh like the first day back after new year's day and i think i was still two or three weeks away from going back to school because it was my first year of college and um actually it was my second year of college at this point so you know writing bart 
it's one of those things that I was doing literally every day. I went to school at City College uh, in San Francisco, and I used to take the train, you know, from the East Bay all the way to San Francisco. You don't get to to get to Fruitvale. You have to go out to, you know, take a train that takes you to a town called Fremont, which is at that time, it was like the closest you could get to San Jose, right? Yeah, um, I think those... that was the the end of the line was Fremont for the longest yeah. time. So, and I think I in a previous episode I did talk about that that I actually like when I was in high school I used to frequent like having to go to Fruitvale a lot because there mm-hmm. was a my orthodontist was like right outside the Fruitvale Bart station. So well, Fr- that Fruitvale's station, a, it's a big stop. It's like people yeah. get off there for commute. Like I remember when I was volunteering at the at the um at the community health center like that's where yeah fruitvale was my stop and i would walk like 10 blocks over to the clinic um and you know like you go off into the plaza and it's like a bunch of mom and pop shops cafes like you said uh dentist's office like yeah there it's a it's a central hub there in that part of oakland yeah and and i and i just it's a it's a station that i know so well like there's just been so many times um the other thing is like it's you know going to san francisco to see the fireworks or to to hang out on new year's eve like that is a thing that people you know my age were doing that's a bay area ass thing yeah (laughs) to be quite honest i don't even know if it's a thing that people still do anymore you know like I, i really do think that that you know how heavily gentrified like this area had become in the last 10 years so like Mm -hmm. in the time since this happened like it's just you know a lot of the people who grew up and are second third generation people who live out here like in these cities are have been pushed out you know so much that i just don't think it's it just reminds me and takes me back to a world that i don't think exists anymore (laughs) um yeah i think you're right and i think the most shocking thing about the story when i saw it on the news was this was on camera and this is probably the first thing you know since Rodney King because I did grow up in the 90s and and even though like I was way young when the Rodney King and like the riots in LA happened you know by the top by the late 90s by the 2000s everyone knew like you know what I mean like it was a thing that was in pop culture it was a thing that we talked about in school um so it like to me it's like yeah it's like it's shocking. You're like, how do people get away with like beating someone up on camera? And, and I really have to take people back to this. Like this is, it, it's really a phenomenon in the last 10 years, right? Or the last 12 years where we've been watching people die on camera, like basically watching, you know, being forced to watch these like cell phone videos of like black men being killed on camera mm-hmm. by police officers. Like now, unfortunately, you know, one of those things like school shootings, it's a thing that we're seeing on camera or we're seeing like in social media so often. Doesn't mean it didn't exist before. It always existed. You know, it's just like now we're actually seeing these things. So I guess we can just go ahead and get into the plot of the movie. Um, So the movie uh, basically starts with the beginning of oscar grant's last day so it is you know uh, you, you know how you can tell this was made by a movie from someone in california is it hmm. didn't start with california love <laughs> well no the thing is again it, it, the authenticity right <laughs> ryan coogler <laughs> ryan coogler will 
it this is exactly bro this is the kind of stuff that you know that that you were into at this time like the way i dressed mm-hmm. the way we talk the way i talked um there is pictures called? of us in tall tees and baggy jeans that they will never be seen again <laughs> that are refused it's... to have people unearthed for us <laughs> But no, I mean, like it, it's, it's, yeah. It, the other thing too is it's the trains. It's, you know, again, it, we've already talked about it, and so, so yeah, we were, were we start in Hayward. Well, first we start by actually seeing the video of the incident, which was all, which I think I mentioned was all over the local news, and mm-hmm. I think I was absolutely like just blown away by the fact that that something like that had been uploaded to YouTube at the time. Dude, YouTube was like four years old at this time or five years old. Isn't so, that wild that back in the day you can upload murders onto YouTube and like, like that's how much the world has changed since like the death of Oscar Grant. Just like how much, just how much the world, obviously, yeah, how much the world has changed, but it's like, yeah, dude, you couldn't be from the Bay Area without having seen that video. Like, you couldn't be the thing is two thousand nine. Uh, you know this. This is this is going to go further than just regional. Obviously, this this went national, and this was a big deal. And and the mo- the movie itself comes out the year after the Trayvon Martin murder. So I do think that you know it, it it's so early when the movie comes out that even Black Lives Matter the phrase itself was was early in circulation. Because that was become the movement it is now, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of well, the the you know the 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 cry of Black Lives Matter came out of the Trayvon Martin murder, which would happen, yeah, the year before this movie. So when Mm -hmm. when it happened with Oscar Grant, like yeah, it went national and it was a big deal. I think it's where a lot of people like discovered what Bart really was, like the train, (laughs) the train, Mm -hmm. right, like. It, it, and it was a big national story um and it's it's really crazy too this is two years after the uh it's two years after the the verdict in the case as well and i just remember seeing the video on the news thinking this guy's obviously going to go to jail forever like he killed someone on camera maliciously mm-hmm. and you know the most one of the more shocking parts of it and not as reported or not as widely known as the video itself but the officer who who shot him the this johannes mercerl merce i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna assume it's merceli um the guy who shot and killed him uh was only charged with involuntary manslaughter, uh, was sentenced to jail for two years, and I think only served an 11-month sentence. Mm-hmm. So, um, hey. Justice prevails? Yes. You know, like, it's one you of know, those One of things. the many reasons why, like, you know, these we are absolutely nowhere near where we need to be with some of this shit. It's yeah, like we can get in a whole conversation of qualified immunity and why service workers get it and whether they deserve it or not. Like, but yeah, that's not, I mean, that's not what this platform is for. 
No, um, but yeah, it's freaking in, insane to think about that. He, for an inv- one that a murder, what it what looks like it should be a murder one charge, gets dropped to involuntary manslaughter, and only not even the full like not even half the sentence is is lived out. You know, mm-hmm. like because you know like if he serves eleven months, that probably included the time while it went to trial. Like he probably got time served or some shit. Like ugh. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds. I'm just gonna get more furious. Yeah, and like, I'm already co- surviving on just coffee. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like you said, we can yeah jumping into it. Like the movie opens up with Oscar at his uh, apartment with his girlfriend, uh, Sophina, I believe is her name, mm-hmm. and uh, with their daughter, uh, adorable little girl. God, I I wish I I got her name. Um. But I think they call her T, like, as a nickname for most of the movie. I think her name is Dottie. Um, but, yeah, uh, the Oscar wakes up to Sofina arguing uh, with him about um, his most recent, I guess, uh, stepping out of her, of their relationship. Um, and then, you know, it kind of ends with him, like, promising that he wants to make changes and stuff while... While he goes and he grabs like this this uh you know eighth of weed that he's been trying to move. Uh and right away there's so many things that I'm just like, holy shit, 10 years ago, weed was still like criminalized in mm-hmm. our state. Like that was <laughs> wild to think of. Like this movie sent me on a fucking time machine, like yeah. to what you know or late aughts Bay Area was, you know. Yeah, like, like people I, were people were going to jail for a, something that's now like a trendy business. Absolutely, right. And people Once, are still in jail mm-hmm. unfairly, while other people of different skin pigmentation are making money off of what used to be an illegal business. Meanwhile, dispensaries look like Apple stores, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the way this movie goes is it, it pretty much just gives us, like, snippets and, like, snapshots into the day, day of the life in Oscar Grant. Um, you know, he ends up taking, like, we see him take his daughter to a daycare, which I believe the teacher is played by, like, Oscar Grant's, like, bio- biological mother. Oh, wow. That's something I was reading on. Um, I could be wrong, but I want to double check that on IMDb. Mm-hmm. But supposedly she gets a cameo in Fruitvale Station as like uh, one of T's like teachers. Um, we also get you know we also see that he kind of drives you know he drives uh, Sophina around. They're making plans to go to the city, um, go to the city to watch fireworks, uh, watch the fireworks uh, uh, down at the pier, and meanwhile. Uh, Oscar is also trying to, you know, meet up with his family. They want to celebrate his mother's birthday, and um, yeah, it's just, it's just going through his day, right? Like we're just getting little snapshots of kind of what he's going through. Uh, the first major scene we do get is uh his interaction in the um in the supermarket, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like an important. It's a. I think it's important scene to kind of talk about. Because one, I mean, like I've actually been to that. 
recently been to that that store like it like it's crazy that's like you know it's a very recognizable store that mm-hmm. he goes to um or that market and it's like he goes he meets up with some friends talk uh and he goes and he gets some like crab legs they're gonna have a boil for his mom's birthday he invites his friend over um he ends up uh talking to uh he ends up talking to uh this young woman who looks like she's uh in and out of her depth as she's trying to do a fish fry like and trying to learn to do a fish fry from scratch for this guy that she just met so Oscar ends up calling her his grandma to tell her uh kind of the recipe on how to do a fish fry. Um meanwhile, uh Oscar goes and he it's, you know it, there there's there's a bit of a flirtation like to it as well. Like he's got a bit of a flirtatious attitude and he also has an argument with Sophina like in the first scene of the movie uh you know because apparently he cheated on her at some point. Mm-hmm. So What's so it's like it's of, still there. What's interesting like, about what's interesting about this movie is that it presents him as as really a human being. Like he's a very flawed uh, character, right? Like if we're talking characters in a movie, he's a flawed character. He's got questionable, like you know, in most movies, everything is very black and white. You know, the 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 protagonist in our film will do all the right things in most cases, unless him being an unsavory person is part of the movie itself but in this mm-hmm. one it's you know it, it, we show him for who he is and i think what works here really well is that even though you obviously don't agree with everything that oscar does or says in this movie as played by michael b jordan this fictionalized version of him mm-hmm. you have tremendous sympathy for him because of how he's presented in the movie and because of the performance by Michael B. Jordan. And that's it's, the point, right? It's like at the end of the day, you're not supposed to agree with him one way or the other. You're not supposed maybe you're not even supposed to like him one way or the other. But you're supposed to at the very least accept the fact that he's a human being and what happened to him was tragic. And no one deserved that, regardless of whether you like them or not. And I think this scene really kind of captures that when he goes and he talks to the manager about getting his job back. And he tries to do it the nice way, right? He mm-hmm. tries being like, hey, man, I'm trying to turn my life around. Like, I'll work night shifts. I'll work one day a week. Like, please, like, get, get me back on shift. Um, to which this is when we find out that, you know, Oscar has been missed. He's been late for the last two weeks and hasn't been showing up to work. Um and you know now with the new year he really wants to make a change he's really committed to making change and he's trying to appeal to him appeal to him in a good positive way like and when that doesn't work he kind of falls back into old tendencies and almost threatens the 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 manager at one point Mm -hmm. being like come on bro like if you know well if you don't help me what you want me to do sell dope on the streets like is that what you want me to do um the manager just being and just being like look my hands are tied i either give you know take away hours from someone else to give to you and he goes that's not right either so it's really interesting because i think this scene does a really good job presenting present like you said presenting oscar as a sympathetic character someone that we can totally understand like (laughs) i think we've all been here at some point where we all want to make a change in our lives and sometimes shit just the the system shit just works against us you know yeah 
also just the desperation, the desperation that he has. And the other thing that makes him relatable is just even now more than back in the time that this movie takes place, you know, everything is so fragile and so many of us are living such a carefully planned out paycheck to paycheck life that the that any instability meaning a job lost but specifically for this character who you know you'll find out later has spent time in prison you know every time that a door gets closed on him it will make things even more difficult and uh and i in the other reason why i think you have a lot of sympathy for this character is the performance of michael b jordan and mm-hmm. you and i talked about it when we did the black panther movies you know how how you know, uh, yes, when he was very young, he was on the wire. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of what I, where I really got to know who he was, I mean, like where I really got to know who this actor was, you know, based on like a famous character was Friday Night Lights. This mm-hmm. was two years after Friday Night Lights mm-hmm. wrapped. They wrapped in 2011. My guess is he shot probably the last season at the end of 2010. Mm-hmm. And this movie likely shot between 2011 and 2012. So, oh, so by he the was, way, he very likely <laughs> jumped pretty close, like onto this, like uh, shortly after that. By the way, um, Joey asked us uh, to do hardball. So it's like, if you want to watch just <laughs> the tragedy that is all the characters Michael B. Jordan plays, <laughs> I think we're going to hit all of them if we do hardball as well. <laughs> Um, the other thing, too, is that the other uh, Ryan Coogler collaborator that is introduced in this movie, and I think it's really incredible because it's like the jump that these guys are going to make in two years is insane. Uh, Ludwig Goransson, who is a composer that uh, Ryan Coogler met while he was going to school at USC. And they this is the first project that they collaborate on. Ludwig Goransson ends up doing the score for every Ryan Coogler movie after this. So his next one that he does is Creed, which is a fantastic soundtrack. And Mm -hmm. more famously, uh, even beyond just uh, movies with, with um, Ryan Coogler, he also did the score for Tenet uh, with Chris Nolan. So, Oh dude, uh, he did the score for Venom. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he's, he's, yeah, he, he, this was his first movie as well. And again, mm-hmm. it's it's I I think one thing that we should talk about before we you know talk more about this movie is just I think you and I have often said offline and maybe a little online that we think of Ryan Coogler as you know one of, it, really the latest in a line of great filmmakers you know mm-hmm. guys like Scorsese. Uh, guys you might look at like Chris Nolan, those guys who have such, they have a style and they have their mm-hmm. frequent team that comes with them and the actors that often come with them. Like, yeah, it, it's just, you know, you're watching a Ryan Coogler movie when it sounds like when it looks like when mm-hmm. it has whoever is starring in it. So it's, it's really interesting to see that two very key figures in what makes up a Ryan Coogler film are with him this early as well. I know it's like right off the bat too. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's freaking crazy to kind of get a part like that crew that you're essentially going to hang the rest of your career. on, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like so early in your career too. 
Because, yeah, I mean, you can't tell me Ryan Coogler and uh, Michael B. Jordan are Scorsese and Leo at this point, or like right. Tarantino because and Leo at this people point. People knew who Michael B. Jordan was. People knew who he was. You know, they had seen him in the TV shows that he was in. But this was his first big mo- role as an adult, mm-hmm. as an adult actor, you know, where he's no longer a child, where he like had graduated from being a child star into now being an adult actor. Mm-hmm. And specifically when he comes back to do Creed, he becomes a star uh, because of that movie. Like, I mean, people already knew who he was, but he becomes Michael B. Jordan off of the strength of the next film that they do together as well. Oh, I thought you meant Chronicle. Well, I mean, that was a pretty big one, too. But, but that's not, I, think, I mean, that, that's what made him like... I think uh, Creed, like... because he's the featured character and... and it's it's essentially his star vehicle you know i mm-hmm. think it's the reason why it i i more think of it as that but no nah, yeah. but anyway uh yeah of course uh you know oscar he threatens his old boss you know he hasn't told sofina or most anybody that this is what's happened to him that he has lost his job because he was frequently late mm-hmm. um and we get so, like anyway. we get some interesting like um random like flashback scenes right and like we get some interspersed scenes like like the freaking symbolism behind the the dog getting run over scene like when he's pumping gas and he's just like um you know and you and like it was really interesting like i I remember re like watching that scene and it being like oh yeah like the dog kind of being the foreshadowing of of what's gonna happen to him because it's like again you take a young black man in a in a country where we've kind of been conditioned to be afraid of young black men, much like an American bulldog or much like a pity where you're, you know, you look at them, they're supposed to be scary and, you know, you're supposed to supposed to be afraid of them. And, you know, the way, of course, he treats the dog, he's like, oh, hey, boy, like, you know, he's really like nice and sweet with the dog. Dog ends up getting run over and then you just see the guy like you see him kind of like shed a tear over this dog and it was an interesting scene because I was like, I didn't think you needed it to humanize him. I thought the kid was already humanized. But to that me, was I took... criti- that was a criticism I had when I first saw this movie, too. Mm-hmm. That I-, I thought it-, it felt like a step too far. I felt, if anything, it was just symbolism. It was just a sim- like foreshadowing symbolism of what's going to happen to him. And it's yeah. like the and ideas and, and much like what you're saying now that I've watched this for the second time and I've watched it years later. Mm-hmm. I think the, I have more of an understanding. I think I'm just, it's easier for me to watch movies based on real things because now I do understand that like, just because you're watching something that's based on a real event, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's, it, it's not, it's not a documentary, you know what yeah. I mean? Like things are going to be added. Things are going to be removed to be able to make it fit into the, in, fit into a narrative like fit into a film's the story of a film so i have believe more, it or not i have much I, less of a problem with that now believe it or not <laughs> because of our burning hatred of the fucking uh warrens that's actually helped <laughs> me like break a lot of that weird hold that used to get from based on a true story movies yes 
because you know we're so used to thinking them to be like oh you know this is a documentary or expected to be a documentary <laughs> this but... is much less egregious than the warriors <laughs> who are who are actually <laughs> real life villains <laughs> so it's like thanks to the thanks to the conjuring movies like i'm much I'm much better at reading between the lines when it comes to based on true story movies. Mm. So that's why I did appreciate that scene with the dog. Um, And then, you know, like you said, we follow him through the day. Uh, At one point he goes and he picks up the, he goes and picks up the, the uh, bag of weed and he considers reaching out to, to sell it to people. Right. And going back to going back to selling weed. Um, and this leads to a flashback where, oh my god, this flashback scene might be the like the best scene in the entire movie for me. Okay. Um, when he's in, we you know we find out that a year before this, uh, he was in San Quentin, and uh, he was arrested, and he's um, you know, serving his sentence, and he gets uh, visited by his mom, who's played by Octa- uh, Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. who is criminally underrated as far as what an amazing actress she is yes like, she it was, is uh, she she was the big star in this uh so mm-hmm. the producer and someone who helped finance the film forrest whitaker is one of the producers on this octavia spencer is coming off of her oscar nominated i don't know if she won she might have won but she she was coming off the help which she did a couple years before that and just two years before the help, she was like doing bit parts in Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Right? Like, it, it, it's it, it's so was, crazy. It, it's really funny, like just how in a matter of just a few years, like you know, with that film, the help, like she, she really did. I feel like that was the the moment where everyone finally, like, we all knew Octavia Spencer from lots of like bit parts. Even if you go like back to something, seen her. another it's another thing that's that's supposed to take place in near places where we lived she also had the bit part in coach carter for like mm. years and years before mm-hmm. so she was an actress who was always around but i feel like yes by this time we she had you know we all understood the gravity around her um from uh from you know the roles that she had done and yes she she is the big star in absolutely this, in this like she, so she wanted to get this get. I know, she, and she wanted to get this movie done. From what I've read, she took points on the back end because she was like, don't worry about my contract. Just get this movie made. Like, she apparently she, apparently she was very helpful. Like you said, her and Forrest Whitaker and getting this project, like, off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we get that scene where they're, uh, they're in San Quentin. It's visiting hours, and she's trying to have this conversation with with Oscar about him getting out of getting out of prison and getting his life together because the entire time they're talking Octavia's like his mom uh, is essentially giving her him life updates like what what is it that he's missed in the last year and how he's missing Tati growing up and how he's missing like Safina doing these things and like how he's missing just interacting with the family and at first it's very it's very um you know, she's like she's trying to she's trying to tough through it. You know, she's trying to be very, uh, very strong, and she's trying to be there for her son. And it's very it's very sweet. But then, 
someone from South Hayward says some shit to to Oscar from across um from across the room Oscar and the guy almost get into a fight and end up getting separated by the um but uh, by the prison guards and he's forced to like sit back down and it's like you just see his mom's heartbreak and she's just like has this moment where she's just like I can't keep doing this I can't let you do this to your daughter I can't keep you know living you know I can't I can't keep updating you on these visiting hours like you can't watch her grow up from prison you need to make a change you need to do something um and you know you get that moment where he like turns it around and he blames her and he starts like yelling at her that it's her fault that he's in this situation and that he's just trying to make do with what he's got. Um, and, you know, again, we find out this is uh, New Year's Eve, which is uh, his mom's birthday. So mm-hmm. she's visiting him on her birthday in prison. Um, they have this huge uh, blow up fight uh, re- regarding just how Oscar isn't willing to get his life together. And she ends up leaving and saying, this is the last time I'm ever going to see you in prison again. Like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And when she gets up and starts walking away and you just see her just like start tearing up and crying as she's like walking. Right. And Oscar like chases after her and, you know, he just starts saying, mama, mama, I'm sorry. Like, like I was just playing, please just like come back, just give me a hug. And, you know, he has that moment where he's like, you know he he it, it almost like he and the you know more more credit to Michael B Jordan it's like this moment where he kind of like teenages or he kind of like regresses to being a kid and oh my god dude he does this so well because he'll do it in creed like mm-hmm. like it, it, the next movie that he does where he is like very good at looking like frustrated and angry but at the same time, just in his eyes, like it looks like he's like on the verge of tears at the same time. And that's such a hard, like it is such a hard emotion to convey, like mm-hmm. just the kind of frustrated anger that makes you it and it's such a like it, it is such a like, you know, for 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 many of us who have grown up with <laughs> with like, you know, toxic masculinity and like the idea mm-hmm. that men aren't supposed to show emotions, like it's very common for men to like angry cry to themselves when they are upset. And it's just, yeah, he's really good at conveying that specific emotion of like, you know, frustrated, frustrated uh, on the verge of tears, like with, with this like anger. And that's, that's like the perfect way of putting it. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like frustration on the verge of grief. Yes. And it's like, because that's the only way it's acceptable to show any sort of emotion is that there's got to be anger tied to it. Otherwise, you're a bitch. Or, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's just, again, because of how toxic masculinity works. And I think it's one of those things where it's like he, he you know, he manages to find a way right up to the point, right before that breaking point, right before the tears come out. And that's a hard place to maintain. Like, that's a hard place for, um, you know, to be at emotionally. Like, it's not, it's definitely not easy. Um, 
Yeah, like, also what I like about the the time that you're going back in into his past, and then at the very same time, you get lots of scenes of just Oscar sitting in the car driving. By the way, the music he was listening to was the music I was listening to at that <laughs> in those years. So it, it's but it just you know the shaky cam, the kind of acoustic guitar like music or that very sad guitar music, <laughs> like you know it's it. it, it it's very indie movie slice of life. Yeah. And while I'm watching, like just for that kind of like visual language in the movie, I'm like, God damn, like, like we really need more movies. Like, like not about what the subject matter is about, but it's just, it's so cool when you see like, you know, perspectives and stories and, you know, like films from people that you wouldn't, you know years and decades past wouldn't be getting films from people like that you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it, it, it's it, normally those things are quote unquote reserved or it's most commonly seen for like these white directors that do these like indie oscar bait movies you know mm-hmm. and then there's also stuff in it where it's not to critique the movie but again this is a first film like where it does there are parts in this where it does kind of feel like a student film Mm-hmm. Or like a film by someone who hasn't made much film yet. Like in the fact that, you know, we get the the Katie, like the white character that, that Oscar meets in the grocery store and how she's essentially going to be set up there so that Oscar will see her again in the BART station. And mm-hmm. then you get the scene of like the jail, the the you know, where they go back in time and the guy who's like he gets into a fight with at jail is going to be the guy who he gets into a fight with at BART. You know, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if that's the same person. I don't know if any of that like stuff is exactly what happened, and I and I won't speculate at all. But Mm -hmm. it's just like that. That's movie stuff. That that's more of like, you know, like I wrote a I wrote a screenplay, and in my screenplay, I have to introduce someone in this act so that Mm -hmm. you can bring them back in the next act and stuff like that. And Ryan Coogler wrote the script for this as well. So there are there are just a couple of parts in it where yes. It feels a little first film, but like I have to use certain tropes that I learned about, like Chekhov's Katie, for example. Yes. So, um, yeah. So it's that kind of stuff. But again, it's it's it is cool that we get this kind of perspective that we are getting to see this kind of film, and Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, it just we the movie tells us many subtle things you know as well uh because there's also the fact that they're at sofina's house with you know her grandmother and it's very clear that even though her grandmother mostly talks spanish she is not very she does not come off like a big fan of oscar in this Mm Uh, which she does you know, not hey, seem too jazzed that yes, he's which around. we can tell and you know being people of Hispanic descent there's a lot of racism and prejudice against black people in our families so mm-hmm. it's it's very easy for specifically older people in our families to immediately find problem with you know and I can only imagine right that 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 the kind of stuff that they're like oh well you know what you what you put yourselves through you know it's just there's such a disconnect in generations between like you know our parents and us mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's yeah it is 
it's hard. It's hard. Our parents, you know, our parents or grandparents in many mm-hmm. cases can be really effed up. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah. uh, that's, what I, that's, that's what I noticed in, in those scenes as well. Um, yeah, brown people, we got a lot to un- unpack when it comes to <laughs> our relations with black folks. Yeah. Uh, but oh. you know, it, it's, we, we then, as the movie goes on, um, they end up getting ready for um you know to go to Oscar's mother's house so that they well, can Oscar eat, ends like, up getting food. rid of the weed he ends up throwing it out yes he, yeah and then that's the thing this movie like you like you we were mentioning it offline this movie's very quick it's very you know it's under an hour and a half like right. it's not a it's it, it's not a complicated script again this mm-hmm. movie was made for under a million dollars and it was the first film you know of a director so it's like there, there's so it, it it just yeah it's not very dense you're, mm-hmm. you're not going to make something dense you're going to make a movie that takes place over one day because your budget's not going to allow you to take a make a movie that like that goes over the span of like three months or something like that so mm-hmm. um so so that's it's again it, it's it's what makes great filmmakers like what they're able to do with the resources they have you mm-hmm. know um, and the fact that this movie is actually shot, you know, in the place where it's supposed to be, it is, it is very easy mm-hmm. to make films that take place. And, and other movies did this too. Like, you know, hey, we, I just mentioned it earlier in this podcast, but the movie Coach Carter, which mm-hmm. I think is, <laughs> it is such Never a corny movie. <laughs> it's an insanely corny movie. I love it. I love that movie for as corny as it is. We grew up in the city, you know, that the that that movie claims to take place in, but the entire movie is shot in Long Beach in L.A., right? So when you watch we... that movie, that that is a movie that takes many liberties with the source material, <laughs> mostly have... because it needs to create like a narrative out of mm-hmm. really what the Coach Carter story was is like one local news story. So they had to yep. make an entire like movie out of it. And they just like add a bunch of stuff and a bunch of characters that didn't really exist in real life. And <laughs> they, you know, the school and the locations that they shot in were not the school and the locations that the movie actually takes place in. So it, it that one feels more like parody. And that's what I mean. It's like, it's, it could be so easy to get something that's more parody where it's like it could be either a very fictionalized version of this of, of the event that happened here or create a new character make it something similar and have it take place in new york like you know that what mm-hmm. makes it feel like something that you gravitate towards or just something that personally i i love it even though it's i can't i can't watch it the same way that i watch other films like you know what i mean Mm-hmm. But but there's it's the authenticity and the grit, and that's because you know the guy who's making the movie is making the movie out of something that he really cares about and something mm-hmm. that matters to him. Um, so yeah. yeah, we get the scene, um, you know, at, at Oscar's mother's house where they mention that they're going to go into the city, and she asks if they're going to drive, and obviously, Oscar's mother does not want him to get you know to get himself caught up, uh, you know, driving drunk. And also, mm-hmm. I think part of it because, you know, Oscar Grant does actually go to jail for some time in his life, and part of it is is uh, it's 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 an incident where he, you know, allegedly may or may not have run away from a police officer, uh, like in a car or or gotten away. 
So it's it's I don't want to get into it because I do not know the details of how mm. he ended up in jail at all. Um, but you know, it's it's almost like again, it's like it's it's her trying to keep him safe. Hey, don't put yourself doing, in danger. Yeah, she's you, doing it, what any any mom would do. She's doing what our moms would have told us if we're gonna go out and be stupid. Don't drive. Call someone to pick you up or take part. You know, and like the most it, heartbreaking part about all of this is going into this movie. You know exactly what's going to happen, and <clears throat> oh man, and it's very hard to just. <laughs> it's so hard. It is so mm-hmm. hard to to um. To to like you just feel so bad for her because yes, in, in her trying to save her son's life from driving drunk and killing himself, you know, she may inadvertently be putting him in danger because of what is gonna happen later that night. Mm-hmm. And that, uh oh man, it's yeah. just heartbreaking. Yeah. Later oh. in the so so once they leave. Once they leave his mother's house, um, but by the way, Sophia keeps referring to San Francisco as San Fran. Does no she? Frisco? It was Frisco. She that's yes. what kept bothering me. I'm gonna say this: it was Frisco <laughs> when I was growing up in the '90s. It was Frisco when I was in high school in the mid aughts. I'm one of those people that still, I, I don't call it Frisco anymore. But when I hear Frisco, I think of San Francisco. I mean, and yeah, I'm not think, stupid. I'm, it just, I think that it just feels weird. This this don't call it Frisco thing is like a gentrifier thing more than anything. I know plenty of people who grew up calling it that. Even though more commonly, I think we use the city now because obviously Oakland's a town, San Francisco's a city. Mm-hmm. It's just if you live here, you know. You know what you're talking about when you use just those terms. So exactly. Um, yes, it's. I would much rather somebody call it Frisco than using the word San Fran because San Fran makes my ears bleed. <laughs> that one <laughs> physically feels like you're you're stabbing me. Please stop. <laughs> um, as they go drop off Tatiana at uh, Sofina's, uh, I guess cousin or sister's house, where she's going to go hang out with a bunch of her cousins, and she doesn't want Oscar to leave. You know, she wants her to stay there. And this one, this movie is really hard for me to watch now as like a parent to a daughter. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it is hard. Like, you know, the, this is such a good actress that they got to play this role because like, yes, in my brain, even though I know what's going to happen, like I'm begging Oscar to just stay with her mm-hmm. <laughs> and not leave. Like, you know, when everyone's talking to him, when his mother's talking to him and, you know, it's like, God, it's like, yeah, in my brain, I- I'm begging them to, to, or like, there's a part where he even floats to Sophia. Hey, why don't we just stay home and, and, and watch it on TV or, you know, watch New Year's Eve on TV and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. and she goes no I don't want to because you know I wanted to go out and do this which you can't you know hey it, everyone should be free to go out on a holiday right like mm-hmm. so it's like you know you don't you don't hate that character for that <laughs> again it's but, the fact that it's it's knowing what we're walking into right and it's yes. like it's these it's these otherwise like the these inconsequential decisions that we think 
are inconsequential that ultimately shape the tragedy that's going to take place. And it goes to show you that this, I mean, the way Ryan Coogler wrote this movie, this is a Greek tragedy. It felt like there was nothing that could have been done to lead Oscar away from this ultimate fate, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, like like you said, between his mom literally just giving very sound advice that I think any mother would have given us, so even his girlfriend just wanted to go out, <laughs> just something as simple as that, you know, like it's it's unfortunate how you know there's no way they could have known, no way they could have known what was gonna what, what was gonna transpire wow. by the end of the film, um. And yeah, like, and then that scene where Tatiana's just like, yeah, well, what do I do? You know, like, if I hear the 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 pop pop noises, talking about the fireworks and stuff, mm-hmm. and he's just telling, you know, he's just telling her not to be afraid, and that he'll they'll see her in the morning, and you know, he's just be, you know, trying to reassure her, and it's a really sweet moment, and yeah, you can't help but just shout at your TV screen to just stay home. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the meme, it's the Matthew McConaughey meme where he's like yelling, you know, from that other dimension <laughs> in Interstellar, like just yeah. banging on the window, going, no, 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 that is me watching that scene. Um, so they, it, it, and again, you want to talk about another world. Bart does not run this late anymore. I don't even think it runs this late on New Year's anymore. Like, like, I, we went maybe just five years ago. I think you went as well. Like we went with a group of friends, like maybe six or seven years ago. Like my wife and I had barely got married. We hadn't had our kid yet. And I think we went to San Francisco to go drink at this uh, place in union square um, called golden gate tap room. Did you go to that or am I making this up? Oh no. It must've been with your other podcast co-host. Oh, what? We did go with friends. We did go with some <laughs> friends, and um, which I think you did go with I, Jose, who has been on the show. Yeah, and, and and but I think the thing is like we had to be on the train by latest midnight because there wasn't really any trains running late. And I do know that that at least around the time of the, of of the Oscar Grant killing, like during New Year's Eve, like to try to dissuade people from driving, Bart would run trains. I think all night all night and sometimes for free like yeah so it was like yeah it was different and then yeah i remember like around this time too like for spare the air days like Mm -hmm. there would be lots of days where i'd go like i was going to school like where i wouldn't even have to pay fare because they Mm -hmm. were trying to yeah spare the air and all that stuff Um, so yeah it's it's i think as late as like 2014 they were still running them like all night okay um yeah because if it was like yeah because this the, the thing i'm remembering is about 2015 16 so it was it was definitely where we're like yeah we went drinking and we, mm. but because we had to be back home and and we didn't want to drive obviously we ended up taking the train and we had to be we had to be on the train by midnight mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah. yeah no that makes sense yeah but anyway uh so yeah they go into the city the you, you know um you don't really see what they're actually doing, but uh, it's it's more of like you see them as they get out of the train station and then you catch up with them after they've left wherever they were going to. Um, and they have the the neat little scene where, uh, you know, they have to try to get the women <laughs> to use the restroom somewhere and they find a local business that's closing up. 
and mm-hmm. uh they you know oscar's able to charm the store owner into <laughs> into allowing sophina to use the bathroom and then at the same time you get this other like white couple who's there and um you know yeah, and he also out. helps he helps this uh pregnant <laughs> pregnant woman who's uh you know who, who needs to use the restroom as well and mm-hmm. gets her in there and then i think be- be- between you know the scene at the grocery store earlier and the scene here it's it's you know it does it feels in character for the oscar grant character to be someone who will who will you know help help someone else out if he can Mm -hmm. and you know you then you find out that the guy's like a web designer and you know him and him and oscar kind of have they have like a moment talking about their kids um and yeah, like just from general having conversation with uh, Oscar, he gives the guy gives his card to him, asks him if there's ever anything he needs to do or if he's looking for a job to get in the field, like to hit him up. So it's like everything, everything is putting in perspective like that. Again, Oscar is trying to turn his life around. Oscar is making a concerted effort. And there's even I think the other thing that something like this says is look at what this person would have been able to do if their mm -hmm. life wasn't tragically cut short for no reason. Mm -hmm. Or if they even had the systems in place to help them get to that, you know, get to that. Right. Like, what if he didn't have to resort to selling weed to begin with? Yes. And I'll say this as someone who who is a it is as someone who is a Bay Area native who works in the tech sector. I work with a lot of people that didn't grow up here that Mm. were not born here the way I was. And I grew up with a lot of people who, you know, who lived under the same circumstances as me. So it's, it's one of those things where I often in my career have had moments where I'm like, yeah, it's really unfair that we, that, you know that that the area that we grew up in and have lived most of our lives in has essentially become more available to people who don't care about it the same way we do <laughs> who don't mm-hmm. remember the same things we remembered growing up and it like it prioritizes those people over people like us who grew up here and Mm -hmm. and 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 how the circumstances for the people i grew up with would have been different have they been given the opportunities as all the people that i now work with and that's Mm -hmm. more of like a just complicated bizarre relationship that i just have with everything in my life (laughs) (laughs) it's just yeah it's it's two worlds you know of where you grew up where where you are as an adult and and yeah i I won't get too much into that but i do i do i do think that this scene is more just also just showing hey look at the things that can happen if someone Mm -hmm. again isn't senselessly killed uh for no reason and Mm -hmm. um tragically after the scene you know you're left with the optimism that maybe this could be a new avenue for oscar but of course they get on the train and they find the same guy who used to be you know, well, they do be, have the obligatory. They do have the obligatory uh, Max Ray music. Uh, is it <laughs> I like that too. They're going. To- yeah, no, it was. It was a scene. I, I like. I think it was on the way too, because mm-hmm. they were. Uh, you know, they were doing the countdown, so it was on the way. It was on the way over there. 
Um, but yes, it was. <laughs> that's what that was. Oh, um, I thought it was. I thought it was on the way back. No, you're right. It had to have been on the countdown. I also really love it because another movie that you and I are going to be doing pretty soon, Blind Spotting. Mm-hmm. The the series that follows that movie also has one of these like Mac Dre like like we're gonna stop and have everybody dance to it so i i really do kind of like that it ends up being something that not only you know gets done in this movie but actually does happen in another like <laughs> film or another uh series that's produced by again other like two other film creators who are from oakland who mm-hmm. are from the east bay so it's just it, 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 it's one of those things where it's like if it's someone who didn't grow up here doing it, it's corny and you'd hate mm. it. But because you know that the people who made it are from here, you're like, yeah, that's that's that that tracks. <laughs> yeah. So non-bay listeners, just so you know, this does in fact happen. Is when Mactory does come on, we do stop everything we're doing and we do dance. <laughs> that absolutely does not happen. But it, but it, but it, it. I mean, it happened in high school. I don't know that. It, I don't know that it would happen in my everyday life. <laughs> but you, you don't know. You haven't just started playing. I Mac would Drake want to, but I don't you. think I would want to do it in my real life. But I don't know that I actually would. Do it, coward. Do it. <laughs> um. Be like a social experiment. <laughs> just see what happens. Someone just gets a little mad. Turn that shit off. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, yeah, so oh. on, on the way back is where uh this you know character who Oscar Grant, you know, met in who, who Oscar Oscar knew in jail uh mm-hmm. from the flashback, you know, is now a free man and happens to be on the same Bart train. And before but right before that, uh even the reason why they hear the name Oscar is because Katie, the grocery mm-hmm. store uh, customer, like actually shouts him out and says, "Hey, you know, I really appreciated your your advice. Was your grandmother's advice was great? <laughs> Favorite mm-hmm. part of this, like the one like funny thing before everything gets fucked up, is like the, is is when she like you know actually you know says hi and like you know thanks him." Sophina mm-hmm. at the other side of the train because he's not sitting right next to her pops her head all the way <laughs> to see who she's talking to. He's like, who's uh, this bitch? Yeah, which you know, of course, if 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 she like you know was worried about his fidelity, that like you know his indiscretion, obviously, like that's what it was. And it's just, it was a funny scene until we get to really the most difficult part of the movie, and that's yeah. you know the fight happens. And the train gets gets stopped at Fruitvale Station, which is mm-hmm. only Fruitvale Station is four stops away from Hayward. So mm-hmm. he was almost home. Yes, he yes. was. Almost you had already home. passed. You had already passed into Oakland. You had already like taken three Oakland exits. Like it was very close. You mm-hmm. know, uh, to to Hayward. Like it's what Coliseum, San Leandro, San Leandro uh, Bayfair. Hayward like yes he yeah. was so like he was almost there um yeah so they all get taken out of the train at Fruitvale Oscar and his friends are all lined up in you know against the wall by officer played by Kevin Durand not to be confused with Kevin Durant the basketball player <laughs> which if you ever want someone to look like a big racist fucking cop this is the guy you hire yes <laughs> 
And it's it sucks because he's actually a good actor. Like I like him in other things, but he's also has range where he can be a total fucking son of a bitch. Yeah. And he, and he is in the few seconds he's in this movie, you just can't help but hate him. And more unrecognizable, I think it was is the fact that uh both of the officers who shoot him, well, who who are involved in the altercation in the movie have been fictionalized. It's a fictionalized version of a real guy. Um Officer Ingram is played by Chad Michael Murray, who was unrecognizable in this. I I, I, I think no it's just, idea. it had just been it had just been years since I'd seen Chad Michael Murray, and he was just like a skinny teen, like when I saw him and stuff. So the fact that you know he was playing this like racist cop is it's and you know what that's gonna happen again in another movie that we're gonna see. So oh no, <laughs> I'll point it out when I see it. But yeah, he he's he's the one who will actually. You know, again, it, it follows what was seen in the video. Um, he is, he gets up, he's thrown back down on the floor. Mm. You know, the officers are, are on top of him. You know, again, a scene that we have seen countless times, you know, in the years since in real life footage, <laughs> you know, uh, and um, what the officer claimed in court was that he was reaching for a taser. But if you watch the video, which I watched the cell phone video, I will never forget the cell phone video. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the cell phone video, he is not reaching for a taser. He is reaching for a gun. And he had enough time between when the gun comes out of his holster and when he shoots him twice in the back to realize whether he was using the right weapon or not. Like, there's just, there's no way around it. Uh, obviously it's like you know hey yeah the way it was decided it was decided by the judge and the jury and all that stuff but you know being someone who has seen that video countless times growing up it's just i will never buy it (laughs) it is yeah it's it's heartbreaking he is shot and um you know he's basically dying right there in front of them and sophina has been you know she's out of the station she is begging for them, you know, to let her back in. She's calling him, and obviously he can't pick up the phone because he's bleeding out <laughs> and dying. All, and... all their friends are taken to different places. Like, their friends are taken mm-hmm. by OPD uh, and part police. So, that you know, they're getting, you know, they're getting booked. And yeah. then, so she's trying to get a hold of Oscar's mom. Um, and letting her know that they're at Fruitvale Station if she can come pick her up. Um, you know, meanwhile, the the ambulance gets there and first responders get there. Um, and at this point, like, Safina doesn't really kind of like she kind of has an idea something happened to Oscar, but doesn't want to like accept it, right? Um, and the paramedics show up and they they load him on the stretcher, completely cut out of his clothes, like at this point, trying to get to the wounds uh, in his back. Um, and something I actually even read in in um, in the Wikipedia or in the Wikipedia in the in the IMDb for Fruitvale Station is that actually, you know, they they purposefully recreated the scene on where it actually happened, like even like even to the point where it's like Michael B. Jordan was laying on the bullet like hole that was left behind from Oscar Grant shooting. Yeah. Um like during filming. That's gotta be like that's gotta be so just surreal. 
like to do for that. Real, right? man. Like, like, I can't imagine like how that feels like <laughs> as an actor. You know, especially I mean Michael B. Jordan again. It's like he 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 is an actor who is from another part of the country. Like, but again, this was a national story. Everyone saw it. Everyone saw it, so you know that he knew about the case itself or or, or the incident him, it's himself. And of course, knowing exactly where he is laying, it's just there, there has to be such a difficult power in that. Um, the other thing that's like, hey, <laughs> the other thing about like, you know, of, of this is, uh, you know, uh, Sophina has to has to beg for them to even tell her where where they're taking him. And uh, mm. they take him to Highland Hospital and buddy, you and I have been to Highland Hospital. Mm. You and I have been to Highland Hospital together to go see a friend of ours who's been shot. And I just remember when we went to go visit him, like it it is maybe it is such a common occurrence that this happens, but like remember how hard it was for us to for us to even get in there to see him, like like they obviously like like it's not even it was not even like you know posted anywhere you know where his room is they wouldn't tell us where his room Mm -hmm. is because essentially because our friend got shot like the the thinking is that whoever is at the front desk looking for him could be looking to finish the job basically like so that was such a trip i was like yeah, yeah. three nerdy latino dudes are gonna go well, finish the, the, the job like i was so pissed well, hey, i get I, it yeah I but get it, it was like I, I mean, also it. we we were very like we were also like all fucking all fucked up that that day too. Yes, so. I mean, obviously we were there to see a friend of ours who got shot. And thankfully, yeah. it wasn't anything that was that was it didn't end our friend's life. But you know, yeah, unfortunately, he has since passed for for completely different reasons. But um, but yeah, it's just I just remember it's like again, it's like yeah, we the the world that this movie lives in is the world that you and I live in. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's such a weird experience to watch this specifically. Uh, yeah. but really so difficult, you know, that to to watch Octavia Spencer um as you know, as Wanda, who's Oscar's mother in this, you know, she's waiting, they're praying to see if, you know, if there's anything that's gonna happen, that anything could be changed. I, I think it's pretty obvious he died on the platform. Um mm. And, and anything they that waited they did, to they waited way dead. too long. Yeah, mm. like they they basically let him die on the platform, and uh, really the only thing that that they came to the hospital for was you know for Wanda to come and identify the body. Like that, I just don't think that there was anything else beyond that. And like I, I can't imagine the pain, and she plays it off so well when she's just like, "I just want to hold my baby," and they say, "You can't." touch him because as of right now it's forensic evidence like his body is forensic evidence and you're just like holy fuck like even in death man some people just can't find peace yes and it's and then, it's rough the movie cuts to it, title it, when, cards when i first saw this when i first saw this this was the hardest mo- part of the movie for me to watch mm-hmm. you know the first time i'd seen it was you know his his mother having to wait in the hospital and just how long that scene was that felt like when she was in the hallway and where she's like sits and talks to herself and basically says, I blame myself. I told him to take the train because I thought that, you know, I thought I was keeping him out of trouble. Yeah. So it's just like, you're just sitting there watching her like realize the guilt that she now has 
because mm-hmm. she ended up telling him to take the train and he was killed because he was you know because a police officer a bart police officer killed him on the platform mm-hmm. and now the second time that i watched it now as a father the hardest part of this movie to watch now is the scene after they leave the hospital where Sophina has to go to her sister's house and mm-hmm. she has to go pick up you know, their daughter. And like, you can tell that Sophina's, you know, sister has been crying all night. She's likely mm-hmm. already knows what happened, that Oscar is dead. And the fact that, you know, that, that, that his daughter wakes up on New Year's Day that morning not mm-hmm. knowing what happened to her dad and someone needs to tell her. And that is for me the hardest thing to even think about that I could not, <laughs> I can't even. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that word didn't get to me or anything. Yeah. It's... You just unlocked the fear I didn't know I had. Fuck. It's hard. It, that it's, one's it's... hard. Yeah. 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 It is hard. I, 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 definitely had a cry when i when i saw that scene this time it is again the the actors in this movie did did their job and mm-hmm. i think it again it's very painful it's very painful because you know she doesn't even really answer answer her question but it just cuts to a scene of both tatiana and sofina sitting in the shower with the water running down their face mm-hmm. and it's just a reminder of like when tragedy like this happens, like you're just expected to go about your day as if nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more of an exit. It's, it's just an existential thing, too. That's just like, God damn, like, what do you do when something like this happens? And life is so fragile and anything can happen to us at any moment and all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's the ending of this movie is so hard to watch, ever reminding me why as much as I love this movie and obviously we're going to talk about how we feel about it but if i'm going to talk about you know do i like fruitvale station i love it because i think it's the great first film of one of our greatest directors now who's make who's currently making films now mm-hmm. um it is a fantastic performance by one of the just great male actors that we have now who's in this a great supporting you know, role by a great actress that we have, you know, in Octavia Spencer. And also just, again, it is, it is visually a love letter to the place that we grew up in. It's filmed in such a really beautiful way. You know, it, there's something really special about seeing places that, you know, on film, you know, but, because of the subject matter and because of our proximity to, you know, to because of our proximity to the subject matter and the event itself, you know, it's a hard movie to watch. I cannot say or promise that I'm going to watch it again, but if you haven't seen it before, I recommend that you watch it. If you have, if you saw it a long time ago and you haven't seen it in a long time, trigger warning, it is a hard Mm -hmm. movie to watch. But if you feel like you're up for it, I think you should watch it. I do like this movie because I think it's great. But again, I've only seen it two times. I don't know when the third time is I'm going to see it because emotionally it is a very hard film for me to watch. But I will say, yes, I do like this movie. 
Oof, there's yeah, there is uh there's a few movies that are hard to watch, you know. Yeah. And um, this is one of them for me. Like I remember I remember before that list was just really innocent voices. If you if you ever watched that or if you ever had to watch that <laughs> about the uh Salvadoran uh civil war. Um yeah, wasn't wasn't a fun movie. Um and and yeah, like Fruitvale Station is a tough one. It's especially when you know the story, especially when you've lived in the area and you've connected in the story, and it's like to realize how easily this happens and it could happen to folks, you know. Um you know, like Bart is something I rode all through my undergrad, something you rode all through your time in college like i still commute on that train like it's when crazy. i go like, into the office now like <laughs> like i still take the train when mm-hmm. i have to i took it during the pandemic because i worked at an office in oakland like i yes i still like take it, the train to this day <laughs> like it's one yeah it's it's one of those things where it, like you said it's surreal how just life net you know there's this movie about life ending on this uh, you know, life getting taken on this train, and it's like, man, like it, it never stops. It never stops. Like you know, the next day happens and things keep on going. Um, but man, like the the acting in this movie is very, it's fantastic. Octavia Spencer is amazing. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is fantastic, and like you see him getting to where he's gonna be in the next couple years. Um and and even like Sofina was fantastic as well. Like even some of our lesser known uh actors that you see, you know, as background characters, but they, you know, they're also doing they're putting on very like emotional performances as well. Like um, like you said, I think it it is important to point out that this is very art school. There is you know, there is still some trends like that you see where this is very art school. This is very much someone. This is someone's first film. Mm-hmm. Um, but the authenticity that Ryan Coogler lends to the script is so fantastic, man. Like, there's no dialogue. Like, it's really hard to write dialogue when you're not of that culture right (laughs) because it can come off so cheesy and corny you can tell not only did a black man like you know work on this script a black man like from the bay worked on this script Mm -hmm. so where everything felt so natural and it felt so so um um yeah, it just felt like it was a very natural, like, conversations. Organic, that's what I was looking for. Like, a lot of the interactions between characters felt very organic, and it felt very uh, naturally, like, written. There wasn't... It didn't feel like people were acting, is what it was. Uh, which I really appreciated. Um, I like this movie. It's it's a hard watch. It's something I can't say I'm going to probably watch again. Um but yeah, I do recommend everyone watch it at least once. Uh, if you're a Ryan Coogler fan, for sure. If you're a Michael B. Jordan fan, if you're someone from the Bay Area, that you know that that it's important. Again, it's important to you know. I'm not one for it. it it's hard. Like I hate 
I hate when all we get is stories about like black trauma or black mm-hmm. grief. Um, and even like that kind of goes on to to other communities that are here in the Bay Area, whether it's the Hispanic community, whether it's the gay community or anything. It's like with so so many times we have to see our own like go through grief in those types of films. Um, even like when we watch La Mision, right? But it's like it's it hurts, but God, those are so important too. Like those stories are so important, important to get out there. I think you made um, a really good comment when you talked earlier about the importance of taking the power back. You know, like if just kind of taking power back by by being the ones who present these stories. I think the fact that Ryan Coogler basically took that power back and made this a story where he was able to 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 tell it. You know, again, it's it's what makes it it's what it's what it's what makes it as hard as it is to watch such a necessary film to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think maybe the toll that something like this takes on you is probably the reason why all of his projects since have been much more of a um, they're they're less about, I think, what we talk about with black trauma and more of them are, again, Black Panther is a big comic book movie. There's there's depth. There is, you know, sadness in it and stuff like that. Maybe trauma in a different way, but it's not dealing with the trauma of the uh, of the black experience in America in exactly the same way as this. Like no, it's it know. celebrates blackness and it celebrates yes. healing and it gave an entire community a hero that to look up to. You know. Um, yes, same thing so. with Creed. Creed being able yeah. to celebrate like the importance of celebrating like you know family origins and family stories and 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 providing a lot of the same stuff we learned from Rocky and apply it to communities I, of color. I also think that the fact that this movie exists is probably the thing that kept Oscar Grant kind of in the zeitgeist when a lot of the mid 2000s like the more of these things started happening in the mid 2000s and we were and we had the 2020 like you know protests and all that kind of stuff that happened after the George Floyd killing like i i, I think that the fact that this movie was put on film it kept Oscar Grant's name in in circulation in national discussions on this and it also i think has been part of what has helped while it will never give that family you know oscar grant back they did you know the chief of i think bart had like board members that stepped down people were in charge that stepped down mm-hmm. bart police like the kind of authority that they've been given has been has been changed since then um and you know at least oscar grant's family got you know hefty settlement you know settlements from bart if if nothing else and you know because we know how i'm not going to get too political about it we know how much bs there is with police unions and and all that kind of stuff so the fact that you get anything is a minor miracle Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think that again this movie is the reason why many people will who who maybe weren't here watching it in the news when it happened will still remember it because unfortunately it keeps happening it hasn't stopped happening and Mm -hmm. this is just one of many stories 
you know, that, you know, that of this problem, you know, uh, that has occurred and it's, mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, y'all. But we, we appreciate <laughs> you letting us kind of kind of vent those thoughts. It's a complicated movie, and it definitely brings up a lot of complicated emotions, which yeah. I think ultimately is the big goal, or it's the big thing about this film is that you know people are complicated. You know, people people can go to jail and do make mistakes and do some bad shit, and they're they're still just as entitled to. Being, getting a second chance and turning it around, you know. So I'm um, glad we got to do this movie together. I'm glad you and I got to talk about this. It's a different kind of uh, it's a it's a really different kind of uh, you know, episode for us to do. Uh, but really, we'd like to thank everyone for joining us for this episode. Please continue to interact with us on social media. Please follow our Oakland Film Festival that we're going to be doing for the next four weeks. We still have four more movies that we're going to be doing. Um, that are going to take place here. So for those of you who are not familiar, you know, with the area, hopefully you, you know, you, you get a feel for, for what parts of, you know, of the city are like, and um, yeah, please, you know, give us, give us ideas for what we should review in the summer because the summer is going to be coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming up quick. <laughs> give, uh, please leave us reviews on Apple podcasts, uh, rate the show on Apple Podcast and and see if you can rate the show on Spotify. You know, share share you know the the this podcast yeah, with other people that you know to help get the word out there. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate you guys uh, joining us for this episode, and we really hope that you stick around, not just with us for this, but you know, for for any of new you new fans who have joined us since we started doing Black Panther. Because that was a very high, highly downloaded episode. <laughs> if any of you guys mm-hmm. have decided to stick around since then, please, uh, I think you'll find that that we have a very, you know, interesting like assortment of movies that we've covered on this show. And I, I'm very excited for this kind of series that we're going to be doing. So please, uh, for, so thank you for joining us for this episode, uh, and we will talk to you guys next time. Later, y'all. <laughs>